Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And we are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loan Studios. Rocket Mortgage with you every step of the way to provide a seamless mortgage experience. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio 855. 2124CBS 855-2124-227. The great Ross Tucker joins us in 40 minutes. One hour from now. The quarterbacks with the most pressure on them in 2019. You'll be surprised who is the leading candidate in the AFC. It ain't Baker Mayfield, so don't even start. He's up there, but he ain't. 855-2124CBS. We say hello again to Ryan Hickey. Hello, Hick. Hello, Ken. It's wonderful to speak to you. We say hello to Billy Jack. Hello, Billy Jack. How are you, Ken? I'm doing wonderful. Are you a Jets fan or a Giants fan, Billy Jack? I'm a New York Jets fan. You living jerk. I thought I was going to go right at your heartstrings here, but you ended up being a Jets fan. No, no, no. You're not doing that today. Were you here last week or weren't you? No, I was at a, I was at a, I was at a wedding. That's right. Hickey, or not Hickey. Billy, you missed... My whole thing about Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. Can you summarize it for me? Because I think Sam Darnold's in a great spot with the Jets and Adam Gase. I know Adam Gase has kind of the googly eyes, and he kind of looks like, he honestly looks like one of the aliens that have human skin pulled over him and men in black. Okay, that's one way to describe it. But I think he's a good offensive mind, and if Sam Darnold was in Cleveland, considering I don't think Sam Darnold would be as brash I don't think he would be as forceful as what Baker Mayfield has been. I'd be very nervous about Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield has forced things in Cleveland. I don't know if Sam Darnold has that type of personality yet. Does that is that fair to you? I think that's an accurate statement, yeah. Like if Sam Darnold were in Cleveland and they just fired Hugh Jackson during that time, I'd be very worried about Sam Darnold. I'd be very worried about Rosen, Allen, certainly Lamar Jackson. I think Baker Mayfield's probably the only guy who could get things going in Cleveland. I'm like actually- it's it's Kismet. Go ahead. I'm actually really looking forward to uh, the Browns this season. Oh, I told you. I, I started off, and I had to do it. I, I said, listen, I know we're supposed to go down the line here, and I will. If the Browns are bad, and I think the Browns are bad, I'll tell you that the Browns are bad. I swear to you on a stack of Bibles a mile high, America, and to you, Billy, and to you, Hickey, and when Tom comes back, the whole thing, I promise you I will. But I'm not going to sit here and lie and deny who I am. I, I think that's ridiculous. Why did you get into sports talk radio? Well, I really like sports. Well, how did you really like sports? Well, when I was five years old, I really liked a good sports story, and I was just happy for the fans. And I remember when I was young, and I watched my first Super Bowl between the New York Giants and the and the Buffalo Bills. Man, I just I I, I felt so bad for Scott Norwood, and I really read cover to cover all the stories. And then I went on a great big diatribe in kindergarten. I didn't do any of that stuff became a fan of the teams you became a fan of. And I just, I think it's ridiculous to sit here and portray myself as someone I'm not. I think it's ridiculous when guys do that. You're a Jets fan. Hickey's a Colts fan. Yes, I'm partial to the Cleveland Browns. And it's going to suck 
like it has the last how many years, and Hickey, you know this, where I got to do five burning questions and I got to ask answer some just terrible, suck-ass Browns question that is going to make me my stomach just boil inside. Because Hickey used to sit there on the phone and hear me rip things during the week, didn't you, Hickey? Oh, yeah, one of my favorite memories of working with you back on the old Sunday nights. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Just wonderful those days. So, yes, I'm very excited. I think the Browns are probably 9-7, and 10-6. and six. That could get them into the playoffs. I think they have to get to the playoffs because the seven months during the postseason, during the offseason, you don't get to the postseason, it's going to be strong. They go from 0-16 to 7-8-1. If they go 9-7 and 7 or better, that'd be a great step up for everybody else. But because of the pressure that surrounds them, and, and some of the obviously a lot of that's self-inflicted, they got to make the postseason. But Baker doesn't have the most pressure on him. Somebody else does. That's coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern. Speaking of the Browns, is it okay to say that I see both sides and, and understand that a divorce probably had to happen? Or do I have to because, especially since I'm in Cleveland, do I have to take Odell Beckham Jr.'s side? Do I have to take Odell Beckham Jr.'s side and run down Eli Manning? Do I really have to do that? Because I don't want to do that. I heard Eli Manning on NFL Network, and my co-host during the week, he loves to try to set me up. Anthony Lima loves to try to set me up and get me worked into a shoot. And so he played this audio, because I didn't see it live. He plays this audio of Eli Manning on NFL Network, and he thinks I'm going to rip Eli Manning on NFL Network. This is him and Kurt Warner at Giants camp, and Odell Beckham Jr. got brought up. Go ahead. Did his comments about he was the reason you guys were on TV bother you? I don't think they bothered me. Uh, just, you know, you just kind of shake your head and laugh. <laughs> You're <laughs> laughing? <laughs> I mean, I think those two rings had a little bit to do with right, why yeah, they're yeah. on TV. We I won mean, a few games before he was here. I yeah, think, a know? couple of them. And he looks at me, audio again, courtesy of NFL Network. Ken, aren't you mad? Aren't you angry? No, I'm not. Is it okay to understand that Odell Beckham Jr. is mid-20s? He's got 3,000-yard receiving seasons. He's got a ton of talent. He's a marketable major star in the NFL. He's one of the most recognizable faces in the NFL. And it's understandable that in the GQ article when he talks about they came to see me, they weren't there to see Eli Manning. We were on Sunday Night Football because of me. He's probably saying this because he's struggling with being traded after he got a $95 million contract. He might very well believe it. And it's understandable to see his point of view and also understand if Eli Manning hears those comments, me probably not going to be too thrilled about that. Eli Manning's accomplished a ton in his career. He's won two Super Bowls against the greatest of all time, against the greatest dynasty in NFL history. He's done that. Beat him twice. Different wide receivers. Same coach. Dynasty in his own right, if you really want to break that, start to break that down. Or at least legend in his own right, if he wants to do it. He's on the back half of his career. This was not a marriage that was probably going to work. Odell Beckham Jr. was taken with that pick to extend the career of Eli Manning. The difference is that Jerry Reese didn't draft the proper offensive lineman, couldn't put the proper offensive line in place, and it turned into a powder keg of dysfunction and drama, and Ben McAdoo didn't help the matter whatsoever. Isn't it okay to see that and understand that, yeah, it it, it probably wasn't going to work out, 
and I can see where Odell Beckham Jr. is coming from, and I absolutely can see where Eli Manning's coming from. Eli Manning's had a sterling career. He did it his way. That's not even, I'm not even trying to make a stupid song reference. He, he, he did not want to be in San Diego. He got to go to the Giants. He had plenty of people going after him, including Kurt Warner. Well, the questions about Kurt Warner and stuff, even though Kurt Warner was ahead of him. Uh, he did all things his way, and he won two Super Bowls. And he's maybe a Hall of Famer, given on who's listening to this. He's maybe that way because of what he's done. He's part of a great lineage of quarterbacks, and he's been able to because his dad was prolific. His brother is one of the two most prolific quarterbacks in the generation. He was able to scrape out a nice piece of history for himself. He should be proud of his career, and he should be a little bit despondent or maybe just a little bit upset that Odell Beckham Jr. is saying these type of things when Eli Manning very well could be a Hall of Famer. I would probably put him in the Hall of Fame. I would put him in the Hall of Fame. And like, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to be in Canton. I've won two Super Bowls. I did these things without you. And Eli Manning probably understands that his best days are way behind him. But let's not start taking me to task over this. Same thing happened with Dave Gettleman the first day of Giants camp. And again, I was supposed to be baited into yelling at Dave Gettleman because of what Dave Gettleman said What just yesterday when asked about Odell Beckham Jr. Hit it. Odell said he felt disrespected by the way things ended here, uh, both by the team and by yourself. I'm just curious how you respond to it. Well, how I respond is Odell plays for the Cleveland Browns now, and we're moving on. Wish him the best. So, how do you feel about the fact that, you know, you, you, did, you did trade him, right? Uh, no more Odell questions. Oh, it's getting to Dave Gettleman. No, it's not. He's a general manager. You can't talk about players on other teams if you're a general manager. You get fined for those type of things. That's not how this works out. That's not how any of this is supposed to go. I don't blame Dave Gettleman one moment. Go back to the nature of what was going on. You have an expensive wide receiver. You know you need a new quarterback. You found a team that wanted a splash. You need offensive linemen. In between Daniel Jones, you love Daniel Jones. You love Eli Manning. You want to send Eli Manning out the proper way, do it the Giants way, not the way the McAdoo wanted to do it. You need offensive linemen. You got an offensive lineman who's very, very good in Kevin Zeitler. You had to give up Olivier Vernon to do so. You got yourself a a safety who was getting much better in year two in Jabril Peppers. You had to give away Odell Beckham Jr., Odell Beckham Jr. and Eli Manning weren't going to mix. It wasn't going to happen with him. And to be able to get the quarterback that you wanted because you still needed to, and I don't care if he was taken 6th or 17th or any of the overdrafted, if you feel that that's your guy, take your guy. And if he sucks, yeah, you're going to be out on it anyway. You'll be fired regardless if you take the wrong quarterback. So that he took Daniel Jones 6, I really don't give a damn. It was surprising when it happened. I don't care now. For the Browns, and some people are saying, this is no chance this is going to work. This hasn't worked in the history of the NFL. Really? I I would say Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott got along pretty well. Yeah, I would say that Randy Moss and Tom Brady got along pretty well. I know it blew up in the Eagles' face. T.O. and Donovan McNabb did play in a Super Bowl together. So I know that this is supposed to not work out because people don't like that OBJ is a diva. But this has worked out in the past. The Giants got what they needed. They got a new lease on life. If Daniel Jones works out, you're laughing. If he doesn't, you're fired. You'd be fired anyway. 
it's okay to understand that OBJ was pretty unhappy. He had just signed a $95 million contract. You have the owner of the franchise telling him you're the face of the franchise. You have an organization that's consistently tugging against itself because of Eli Manning. Both found a way to move on. I don't need to make Dave Gettleman any more of a boob than I already thought he was. I really don't think he's a boob. I don't need to make OBJ a bad person. He's not a bad person. Of all the problems that we talk about with guys in the NFL, I don't see OBJ getting arrested. I don't see him failing tests. Okay, so he proposed to a kicking net. That was pretty silly. In the terms of things i got to worry about with NFL football players, that's way down there. And for Eli, Eli's accolades and his hardware stands on its own. I think common sense needs to prevail. This wasn't working. It wasn't going to work. And everybody made a decision that was best for themselves. OBJ didn't get to make the decision, but it's probably going to be best for him. You get the chance to make history. You get the chance to play with one of your best friends or your best friend in football. You get a chance to do some incredible things. And because it's the NFL, it's not New York. I get that. But because it's the NFL you have that chance to remain a major star. And you're opening up your own YouTube channel, for crying out loud. We're in a different generation of athlete. So this will be a storyline all year, and I understand that, but I also know that common sense prevailed, and everybody's in a better spot as we start this training camp. 855-2124-CBS. Five burning questions up next on CBS Sports Radio. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. I had a question for you, Hick. Yeah, what's up, As I'm looking up, I'm watching Iowa Speedway qualifying. I'm so, I'm addicted to racing. Somebody's steering wheels came off their car, and it's just rolling around the track right now. Um, boy, that's a bad day when you don't got that a steering wheel. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> it came out the window and everything. Look at you, 89. Hey, uh, real quick. The house I'm buying... The people who own it are having a garage sale today. Is it in poor taste for me to show up and purchase a few items? <laughs> no, help them out. I'm sure they'd love to get your business. I kind of Morgan Shepard's steering wheel came out. You guys don't know who Morgan Shepard is. Morgan Shepard is an old, old, old race car driver who is one of the most respected drivers in the business. Uh, I'm going to ask Ross Tucker that coming up in about 10 minutes. All right, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready when you are. Go ahead. All right, so MLB- Five burning questions time, by the way. It doesn't say five burning questions. Go ahead. Very, they're very hot questions. So, MLB trade deadline just four days away now. New rule this year. There's no waiver deadline. So, this is the last opportunity for any contending teams to make a move. Now, the market's kind of dried up as the Giants appear, at least they won't uh, trade Madison Bumgarner. They've gotten back into it. Your Indians, will they trade Trevor Bauer? Who knows? Doesn't seem likely, but it's still a possibility. And they're just two games behind the Twins. So, maybe, you know, hold on to and make a playoff run. Mm. So starting pitching, big need for contender. So who do you think the biggest name will be that's going to be on the move? It could be one of those two guys. I, I think that both teams, I think Giants fans have told themselves this, and I think I know Indians fans have told themselves this. Well, we need better lineups. We need better hitters. We can deal from a position of strength. I still look at this and think, my gosh, over time, I think pitching is what's going to matter. And guys who can go five or six innings in postseason games to get things started off, those guys become more important. I think it's a very difficult dance, and I know the Rays technically did it last year with the Archer trade. Even though they didn't get to the postseason, you make yourself better in a short amount of time by making that type of trade. Yes, 
dealing from a position of strength. But to get rid of pitching, I think you're telling yourself something that you're hoping and not something that you can really count on there. So if you make those moves, I would say expect not to make the postseason this year. That's been the recent history, even if you want to use Archer. Next. Smithville training camps are up and running, and with that comes holdouts for some big names. Chargers running back Melvin Gordon is currently holding out as he wants a new deal. He'll make $5.6 million this year on his uh, last year of the rookie deal. Cowboys running back Zeke Elliott, same thing, has now reported Cowboys camp. He still has two years left on his rookie deal, um, but has not spoken publicly at least of how long his holdout will last. Gordon made threats that he could even go into the regular season for his holdout if he doesn't get a new deal. So is it smart for either the Chargers or Cowboys to extend their running backs? I think it's much smarter for the Cowboys to do it. I think that you could trade Melvin Gordon and get something back and get away with it. The NFL running back market has just bottomed out. You had a six-round pick and a trade for Jordan Howard, who is a good, sturdy enough running, or at least a, you know, a good, competent running back. Those guys are above, above average, obviously. And, he, and Zeke is one of the greatest. Why I put Zeke in the category of you must pay, Phillip Rivers is old. I get that, but I think Phillip Rivers can haul the freight still. I don't know about Dak. I've seen Dak's red zone numbers. They're near the bottom of the league. That's not just me. That's pro football focus. That's everybody. That's insiders, outsiders, everybody. They're they're not good. And when he showed up out of shape, they were in trouble a couple years ago when he was suspended. There's so many reasons not to pay Zeke Elliott, mostly because of what he's done off the field, off season. But I don't know if you have any other choice. You're trying to save Jason Garrett's job because, again, you have – Jerry Jones, who runs that organization, and you have a puppet master's moment with him and Jason Garrett. I I think you have to pay Zeke because you don't want to go backwards because you don't want to have to give rid of Jason Garrett because then you have to get a competent coach in there who's going to want some power. Boy, that sounds terrible with Jason Garrett, but it's just the truth, and you know that's the truth. Is Jason Jerry Jones is basically in charge of that thing, and that's why even they were ten and six last year. I just can't take him that seriously because of that. And he and, and Dak struggled as time went on. You can't turn back now. You took your running back in the first round. You're not going to get an equal amount back. And when you have a guy like Dak Prescott, I can't not pay Dak Prescott. I've already invested too much. I can't go back because I want to hold on to my coach. And, I, and you're ten and six. It's not like you were six and ten last year, and you're holding on to nothing. You're ten and six. So there are lots of good reasons that defense is so much better. The offensive line is coming back to form. There are plenty of good reasons to remain on the trajectory you're on. It's just with the Cowboys, it's either all or nothing. I don't know if we've ever seen a situation like this with a football team. Next. Are you ready for a radical idea? Absolutely not, but go ahead. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of teams knowing who they are, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott has an interesting idea to try to attract more eyeballs to his conference's games. He threw out the notion of 9 a.m. Pacific time kickoffs and incited frustration from fans about the late kickoffs, which ESPN's famous for their Pac-12 after dark games, which kick off sometimes at 8 o'clock local time, which would be 11 o'clock Eastern. And Mm -hmm. now both Cal and UCLA have already expressed interest in possibly being guinea pigs for these 9 a.m. kickoff games. So this is a smart move for the conference to get more attention. Man, it's tough to get the body clock going. All right. But is, how good's Washington State going to be this year? That's your biggest question. Because I think the reason it was noticeable last time or last year, and it's been noticeable for quite a while, all right? Like, I, I would say Washington's probably Washington State's probably, what would you guess, middle of the pack in the north? 
Yeah. They lost. They lost a right little bit. Oregon, but, Washington. Yeah, but but Leach is going to be able to rally him up. He's a fine football coach. So maybe yeah, right behind Washington, middle of the pack in the North. If they're interesting and they become a, and they go above that, if they become an overachiever like they were last year, then you're putting this team on at eleven o'clock at night. Well, they throw the ball all over the place. These are four and a half hour football games. So you're you you folks bitch about baseball. These are long football games, and I don't know if I could have college football games of a ranked Washington State team ending at one o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. You're competing with Saturday Night Live. Ten o'clock seems a little early. Why can't we stagger it? You can't have a one p.m. start. We can't stagger this whatsoever. It has to be. 12 and and 3.30 and so on. We can't stagger it at all, especially in the Pac-12. It's your conference. You can do whatever you want. And if the the noon games aren't very good, I'm just going to watch Pac-12 football. 10 a.m. is okay. 9 a.m. seems a little unreasonable. And I heard Robin Lundberg talk about this earlier. I respectfully disagree. I think you always have to worry about the power drinking leading up to kickoff. Not really afterward. There's going to be big celebration, but it's kind of like St. Patrick's Day. You drink that much that early, you can start sleeping it off at 4 or 5 in the afternoon. If you're having a nighttime, big-time college football game, you got people there who they get in at the same time they always do, and that means 7 a.m., it's time to start pounding. And they're doing it for 12 hours, not 5 like before. Next. So yesterday, Russell Westbrook officially introduced as a member of the Rockets. Obviously, the biggest question with him joining the team is how him and James Harden will coexist. Well, here's what he had to say about that question. To be able to win something, you got to be able to sacrifice um, some parts of your game, and we both understand that. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So we understand what we have to do. Um, it's, I'm not worried about it. I know James is not worried about it. Um, I can play off the ball. Um, I don't have to touch the ball to impact the game, and uh, that's the best way. Um, for me uh, to be able to come back and impact this team is I, I can do other things on the floor to be able to make sure we have a, a better chance of winning. So do you believe Russell Westbrook when he says he's willing to give up his role in order to win? Hickey, have you ever heard of the country music superstar Travis Tritt? No, I have not. Travis Tritt had a great career in the early 90s, really through the 2000s. Now he's kind of calmed down and he's playing fairs and things like that. But Travis Tritt... Tritt was a major superstar in the 90s. T-R-O-U-B-L-E. He released a Travis Tritt Christmas, I believe, back in the early 90s as well that you could probably still find in any local Cracker Barrel you go to off the highway. Travis Tritt had a song. It was a big song called The Best of Intentions. He had the best of intentions, the best of intentions from the start. And it's basically, yeah, you had the best of intentions in a relationship, and now you're a loser, and that gets away. I think that's probably going to go with with Russell Westbrook. Of course you have the best of intentions. Of course you think you can play off the ball. Your back's up against it. But when you're really up against it on the floor, are you going to go back to old habits? Because when we do this, uh, let me take a total non sequitur again. When we talk about college football quarterbacks and guys who are run first guys, we did this with Tebow. Well, in three months, he's already learned so much. It's easy to do that in drills. When you have real guys barreling down at you, are you going to actually make that your behavior or are you going to go back to, to your old habits? Usually you go back to old habits. If you got real competition going against Russell Westbrook, I bet he's going to go back to old habits. And that is not going to mix good for the Houston Rockets. Next. All right, finally, anytime the CFL is in the news, you know it's always a big deal. Calgary St. Peter's DB Robertson Daniel wore Joker face paint for a game and ended up getting interception right after being highlighted. 
Now, according to Article 5, Section 4, or I'm sorry, Rule 5, Section 4, Article 9 of oh the God. NFL rulebook, the use of facial makeup is prohibited. So the NFL allow this type of look. Uh, yes, you should. Yes, you should. It is 100% yes. Uh, I saw that face paint yesterday. I thought it was kick-ass in the CFL. I wish they would allow that in the NFL. I wish they would allow the visors. I saw Demarius Randall yesterday. He had the damn scene from Friday on his visor, which is cool as hell. I wish they'd allow those visors again. Let them stand out. Let them have fun in, in, in decent taste. What's the best part of the program? A movie that sucks, by the way. What Do you remember the program, Hickey? I've never seen it. I mean, you said oh it sucks. Oh, my God. So. You are just a mess. All right. In the movie The Program, there's a guy by the name of Latimer. Starting defense, seat at the table. When he gets on starting defense, he starts putting his head through car doors or car, car windows. Okay? There is a scene where he gets back on the gas and he paints his face like a skull. And it is awesome. I would like to see that in the NFL. Not the gas part or any of the other stuff. But the the, the face painting, the way he looks. Because you can only do it with, what, eye black like John Randall used to do and Chris Hovan. But now I want to see it full bore. I want to see someone go out there like Sting. And I'm talking Crow Sting from the glory days of WCW against the NWO. That's what I want to see. I want to see face painted like Latimer from the program. I want to see someone with their face painted like one of the guys from Dead Presidents. That's what I want to see in the NFL. That's my NFL. That's the 21st century NFL. I support this. I want Roger Goodell to change it. That's it. That's I'm done with my answer. Is that it for five burning questions? Sounds like it, Hickey. That's it. You got to put a period on the thing, Hick. That's how it works. All I right, said last up, one. Up next, Ross Tucker. NFL vet host analyst, myfrontpagestory.com, Ross Tucker football podcast. He joins us. We'll talk NFL with him. You're listening to Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free hotline brought to you by Geico. Go to geico.com. You can save 15% or more on just 15 minutes on car insurance. Coming up at 1 a at 1 p.m. Eastern. See, I'm still on Sunday nighttime. At 1 p.m. Eastern, the quarterbacks with the most pressure on them. Also, that Bleacher Report all-time QB list, which was phenomenal. It was horrible, but it was phenomenal, and it kind of showed us how the times are changing in the NFL. Right now, we go to the hotline. We welcome in Ross Tucker, NFL vet, host, analyst, the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, MyFrontPageStory.com, really cool website, really where you can take your personal memories, put them right on a front page, MyFrontPageStory.com. Find him on Twitter, at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Eagles camp right now, all over the place. Ross, thanks for joining us today, but... Of course, Ken. How you doing, man? I'm doing, you know, you know I'm getting by. You know, I can't say I'm doing well. Because I, I, camp's going on. I'm, I'm in a studio, and it's hot as hell in here in downtown. And I'm, I'm watching highlights all over the place. What's going on with you? You know, it's so funny that you say that. So, it wasn't that bad at Eagles camp. It was like, I don't know, high 80s. Mm-hmm. But still, like, I totally sweat through my undershirt and, you know, onto my polo shirt. And I'm like... 248 now. I mean, I'm dead sexy. I'm not like 325 like I was when I played. And yeah. I sit there, Ken, and I just think to myself, how the heck did I do this when I was 320, 325 with a helmet, shoulder pads, pants on, you know, for two hours, two and a half, three hours running into other 320 pound dudes 
because I'm just standing here on the sideline sweating my you-know-what's off right now. Well, it's amazing. Like, Joe Thomas lost a bunch of weight, and I maybe you guys just can't turn the faucet off because he will come in studio sometimes and – our building is an old building, and like we'll have the heat on in the summer. That's in the heat is on right now, and I'm sweating profusely. But he'll go through like three shirts. I'm I'm serious. Like he will need to change his shirt when he's done, because the faucet with you big guys it just never goes away. No, you're right, and and but I will say this: it's a lot nicer on the sideline. And it does. the other thing is, mm-hmm. I can see some of these dudes like Fletcher Cox and stuff, and I just think, <laughs> how did I ever go against monsters like that? Like it just. Seems like another, seems like another lifetime ago. It's funny. It's just a different era, man. It's a and plus, and you know this. When you were younger, there was more I can take on the world. You were invincible, and so you could take on a guy like Fletcher Cox. And now you see it from a different level. And obviously, you get, you should give more respect to yourself when you were playing. But obviously, you give a bunch of respect to the type of animals that they were. You were going to ask me about Jimmy Johnson. Yes. What were you going to ask? I, so he was on earlier, right? The race car driver. Yes. Yeah, 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 I know. So yeah. here's my question for you, okay? Okay. This All is right. a good topic. This is, maybe this is your topic for the rest of the day. All right. For any of your listeners, or you, Ken, what would you be more scared of? Playing an NFL game at offensive guard against Fletcher Cox or hopping in a NASCAR car for a race like a Daytona 500? Like I said to you, Ken, you have to do one of these or you're going to die. Like, you have to pick one. Which would you be less scared of or more apt to do? I'd, I'd get in a race car much quicker. Really? Absolutely. 100%. Oh, see, well, obviously I played, so I'm a little different. <laughs> but I remember going to Daytona one time and talking to, um, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. and some guys, and I just could not believe how close the cars were together while they're going like 140 miles an hour. I was like, you guys are crazy. He's like, what are you talking about? You're the one, you, you guys are the ones going against those monsters and, and killing each other. And I just remember thinking, I'm much more comfortable going against Warren Sapp or whoever was across from me than having 20 cars within five feet of me as we're all driving 140 together. So that's See, interesting to hear that you, you'd you rather take your chance in the car than against Fletcher Cox or somebody. 100%, 150% if I can. See, this is the difference between Ross Tucker and other guests. It's not just football with Ross. He's learned about just about everything in the world. Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter. Because you know this, Ross. Now, what was your, now you said you were 320. How tall are you? 6'4", six, 6'5", six, where you at? Yeah, like 6'4 and a half. Okay. Now, if you met those guys and you know you did, people don't realize on TV, like like Jeff Gordon is like 5'7". So they're all small for the most part. So you right. and Fletcher Cox, that's just a different animal in comparison to a race car. I mean, you get that. How, 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 how big are you, Ken? I am very heavy, and I am 6'4". Okay, well then, you could, you could hold your own out there. So you, I mean, look, Fletcher oh. Cox... Would just beat the crap out of you. Yes. In a car, you don't think you get an accident? I mean, you, 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 if, you, if you tried to really race with those guys, you could get in a really serious accident on the well, field. You, yes, you, you could. You're just going to get the crap beat out of you. Yes, you could. But you know what? I get in an accident once, and 
I know there's a likelihood of dying, but I could still probably only it happen, have it happen once. It's every play in the NFL. Plus the embarrassment. I think I would just be able to hold on to a race car better. I don't think I would be able to deal with the embarrassment of Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox just pounding away on me until people got me off the field. I'd, I'd be curious to hear, like, because I'd be curious to hear your listeners or other people, like, what what their vote would be there. I, I don't know, like, what do you think the what do you think the breakdown would be of people that would say race car versus offensive guard? It would have to be offensive guard. Have to be. Well, it's Saturday, so it's different. Offensive guard. I bet so. I think so too, because people don't want to die. <laughs> and the race car, I think they'd be legitimately afraid of dying. Ross Tucker joining us on the show. I got to ask you about football, Ross. I have to I'm, ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are, are the Eagles legitimate Super Bowl contenders? You're out there. What did you see? Without question. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the more impressive rosters that they've ever had. And certainly one of the most impressive rosters in the league. For me, it's like just the amount of weapons they have. Like their second string offensive line is like a first-round pick. And Stefan Wisniewski and Vitae and Jordan Mailata, the Australian. I mean, they just are very talented. They have really good depth everywhere. And, you know, the only thing that could really hold them back is just the injury bug, which kind of got them in, in some key spots last year, especially Wentz, although Foles came in and played well. But, you know, I look at them, I mean, even like their fourth receivers, J.J. Arcega whiteside from Stanford, or their fourth DN, like, they're good. They, they, they have a beautiful roster right now. They really do. We got Ross Tucker joining us on the show, NFL vet host, analyst, Ross Tucker football podcast, myfrontpagestory.com. I want to ask you about that in just a few minutes. Who do you think is the team we should be talking more about? Because I've wondered if it's the Colts, but there's just nothing you can really sink your teeth into when it comes to off-season drama. Is there another team you think we should be talking more about? Yeah, to me, the team that the most interesting team in the NFL this year, I know a lot of people say Cleveland, and I get that. I'm going with the Steelers. I'm staying in the same division, Ken. I agree. I'm going with the Steelers. Look, to me, as a former player, the Steelers are like the grand experiment this year, right? I mean, how often do you hear coaches talk about culture and you need guys that buy in? It's about the team and the culture and guys that fight for each other and all that stuff. And it's not just about talent. And sometimes you'll even hear people whisper addition by subtraction. Mm-hmm. Well, have we had a better example than the Steelers this year? No Le'Veon Bell, no Antonio Brown. They lost significant talent by losing those two guys. But everything you're hearing is everything's hunky-dory and everybody's on the same page and we're much closer and there's no distractions, that word you hear all the time. But we're about to find out. If they go 6-10, and 10, people are going to say, ah, yeah, give me the talent. Thanks. If they go 12-4, and four, people are going to say, you know what, maybe there is something to that. Maybe there is something to lack of distractions and, and culture and all that stuff. Would you pay Zeke Elliott if you were the Cowboys? I would. Um, you know, there's always certain dollar amounts, right? So here's the problem. They don't really have anybody else behind him. Like, he's a genius for holding out now. Yeah. Because Jerry Jones isn't getting any younger. This is 
probably the best Cowboys team they've had since, like, 2007. I mean, they have a really, really good team. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles and Cowboys are the two best teams in the NFC. I think the Cowboys are really, really good. And I think Zeke Elliott realizes that Jerry and Stephen Jones don't really want to play football games without him, Ken. You know, even if he misses one or two games and they lose one of them, well, that might be the difference between being the number one seed and winning the NFC East or being a game behind the Eagles and being the wild card, which is probably the difference between having a chance to go to the Super Bowl and not. So I think Zeke realizes that the Cowboys know that the time is now, and he's taking advantage of that because from a strictly business standpoint, I probably wouldn't pay him. Yeah, you have him this year on the fourth year. You have him next year on the fifth-year option. You can tag him after that. I mean, you get a lot of mileage out of him the next three years. He might be done or might not be as productive as he was, and you never really had to guarantee him that much. So I would like, from a strictly business standpoint, to play it year to year. I think Zeke's going to force their hand, and I don't think they really want to play games without him. Tell me about MyFrontPageStory.com. Best gift idea I've ever heard of, especially for your wife, your significant other, whoever, anniversaries, birthdays, you literally talk to a reporter and tell them about your wife for 10 minutes. They write the story, send you a framed copy that looks like it's on the cover of the newspaper, and you say, hey, babe, I really want to do something special for you for this year. I had a story written about you. Are you kidding me, Ken? I had a story written about you? That's the best line you could ever say to your wife. I guarantee she cries. Myfrontpagestory.com. Do not blow it, fellas. Thank you very much, Ross. Wonderful travels to you. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend. All right. See you, buddy. You too. The great Ross Tucker joining us on the show. I want to ask that question when we come back about the race car or the offensive guard and... Quarterbacks with the most pressure of all time. It's not who you think of the AFC. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.